Hi, this is Lori Simmons with Armed Forces Insurance, and you're listening to Life Giver. Welcome to Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life into your military marriage and home. This is Corey Weathers, and I'm so excited to share in this journey with you. Close your eyes for a minute if you want to see the world. Hi, this is Bill Lockhart, the head coach at 227 Financial Coaching. And I just want to give a shout out to my wife, Mara. As I've told you before, and I'll say it as often as I can, meeting you was the best thing that ever happened to me. You've been my my best friend, and you've stood by me during my times in the military and on deployments, and I can't think of life without you. Love you, hon. Welcome to another episode of Life Giver Military Spouse Podcast. Today's interview is all about finances and how finances play a huge role in your marriage and how to keep you guys as a couple connected. I see in the counseling office a lot that money is one of the top three things that brings couples in for counseling or causes conflict in the relationship. Whether you're a saver and your spouse is a spender, whether you're having a hard time saving up for retirement, or perhaps the military lifestyle is really wreaking havoc on your finances, planning and working together and getting on the same team is a huge part of how you can reach your goals as a couple and serve better as a team. So today's interview is with Bill Lockard. He's a retired lieutenant colonel who served in the Army on active duty for 21 years. He fought in Operation Desert Storm and commanded a howitzer battle while deployed to Bosnia. He deployed to Baghdad as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom and several times to Kuwait and Egypt. He holds master's degrees in public administration and managerial science. And after retiring, Bill followed his passion to help military families by becoming a trained financial coach. He works one-on-one with service members and their families to pay off their debt and build wealth. And he's the head coach at 227 Financial Coaching, where he reminds people, according to Proverbs 22.7, that the borrower is the slave to the lender. I hope you enjoy this interview with him. I think there's a lot of wisdom that he has to share with you, and I hope that what he does share with you sparks new hope in your relationship. Today, we have Bill Lockard with us. He's the head coach of 227 Financial Coaching, and Bill... Mm -hmm. Can I call you Bill? I know you go by William, too. So is Bill okay? No, please call me Bill, and thanks for having me on today. Yeah, absolutely. I am so excited to talk to you because um, you and I both know that finances play a huge role in how well a marriage is doing. I know for me, as a clinician, I see finances being one of the top three things that couples come in for counseling on because of conflict that has resulted from being on a, on the different, on a different page or having different goals of finances. And I think this is such a crucial topic on how to get couples on the same page and also decreasing conflict in their marriage. So um, you have a huge passion about that. And so I thought we would start off by just talking about your story and why helping military marriages get coaching through finances. Share a little bit about where that passion came from and your own personal story about how that affected your marriage. Well, I spent 21 years in the Army, all active duty. Um, I was commissioned through an ROTC program back in 1989. Uh, I started off my career as a field artillery officer and um, went in later into the Army Acquisition Corps. Um, I was married. My wife and I met each other um, in 93, and we got married in 98. So I was um, about halfway through my military career when we got married. Um, we had a lot of things that we discussed prior to getting married, and our, our financial habits were definitely one of the things that we discussed. And we were both on the same page of, um, of doing things right, you know, making good decisions and uh, responsible decisions with our finances. But we found um, as we started in our marriage, we found that we were really just kind of treading water. Uh, we weren't really getting ahead. Uh, we were paying all our bills on time and everything. But it seemed like by the end of the by about the 10th of the month, it seemed like my paycheck would be uh, spent. We didn't have anything left over to get throughout the rest of the month. And um, we ended up 
financing, if you will, the rest of the month on our uh, credit card. And then we would roll over the next beginning of the next month. I get paid and we pay off our uh, two car loans. We pay our our uh, my wife had student loans that we need to make payments on. Of course, we have rent, utilities and so forth and pay off our credit card bill from the last month. But then we were right back where we started again. And we kind of had to, you know, keep on that treadmill month after month. And we just weren't putting any money away for savings. It seemed like we just weren't making any headway. And we went through that for um, a number of years. And it kind of all came to a head when I deployed to Iraq. Um, and by this time, we had two two small children. And it's it kind of opened my eyes when I got home from that deployment as to just how much uh, I was expecting my wife to do while I was deployed. You know, she became the um, uh, the transportation specialist and the logistician and the resource manager on top of being a mommy to two small kids who were trying to get to kindergarten on time and such. And I, I realized it was just too much for um, one person to do. Um, and when I redeployed, we kind of took a, a, a fresh look at everything. It's like we didn't necessarily have problems in our marriage, in our marriage, but we knew that we needed to make some changes to improve our marriage. And one of those areas that we wanted to improve was our finances, because we started to take a hard look at just where where we were spending our money. And for the first time ever um, during that deployment, actually, is when we started to um, take a look at just where our money was going to. And what we found was pretty surprising. We, we found a lot of things that we were still paying for that we never actually used. And we started finding things that we were making payments on that we didn't need to have. So by creating this uh, budget for the first time ever, we started to find areas that we could cut costs on and eliminate costs and get to the point where uh, instead of trying to get on a treadmill month after month, we could actually get off that treadmill and start moving forward and making progress on putting away money, not just for retirement, but for putting away money to do things like to go on vacations and to ensure that um, we've got money to make uh, repairs on the car if need be. And it just, we got to a healthier place by one, getting on a budget and following it and two, paying off our debts. And we were successful in the fact that we paid off not only all of our credit card debts and we cut up all our credit cards, but we eventually paid off our entire mortgage in the house we were living in at the time. And we were completely debt free. And I think what we found was, you know, not only did this have, you know, huge impact on our financial lives, but it had a, a just an enormous impact on our marriage life. It, it, it eliminated a whole host of stresses that we kind of self-imposed upon us because of our spending habits and our financial habits. And once that, you know, uh, once that set of stresses were gone, it just made us feel much more free and much more liberated. To, and it got us to the point where we could really focus on things that were important to us. So instead of staying up late trying to figure out how, who we were going to pay, when, and, and with what, we were able just to sit there and enjoy life the way it's meant to be enjoyed. So one of the things that I hear from a lot of couples when they're trying to make some of these decisions is, you know, you mentioned – there were some things that you were paying on that maybe you wish that you didn't, maybe you didn't need those as much. Or I see a lot of couples that maybe they have a different opinion. So how do you know which things, or I guess for you guys, how did you know which things were not worth keeping around and investing in? And how did you make some of those decisions? Because I see a lot of couples that disagree on what's a need versus a want. It's a hard thing to do to try to identify something as a need or a want. You know, it's we live in a society that where if we want something, we're told just go out and get it, you know, and worry about making payments on it later. But when we started taking a hard look at our finances, there was a couple of things that we we found that 
and like the low low hanging fruit that we could easily agree upon. It was stuff like a gym membership that neither of us had gone to that gym in probably months. It was the membership to the video store back in the day when you would go to Blockbuster to get up a DVD. You know, we hadn't gone there in months and because we didn't need to. Well, you know, nowadays, you know, by that time we were getting Netflix or we were getting DVDs at the library. So there was just no point. And it, we started identifying that low, uh, low hanging fruit that was obviously a want and not a need. But then we eliminated those and then we started to make some tough decisions on what exactly the, the, re the remaining expenses we had, you know. How do you go about um, telling the person you love that something that he or she thinks that they really need, you don't agree with their interpretation of it as being a need? You think of it as a want. And a lot of it is identifying, well, what's really important in your life? What's really important in your marriage? And, you know, if we're having a healthy relationship, the most important thing is the person that's sitting across from you at the at the kitchen table as you're going through these finances. And it's a lot of give and take. And, and I think that there's certainly, I'm certainly not advocating for people to have no luxuries in their life, but there comes a time when you have to make those hard decisions so that you can get to a better place. Um, a lot of times I'll, I'll talk to people like, yeah, you can, you can eliminate all the premium channels on your cable bill. And so that way it will free up, I don't know, 35, 40, 50 bucks a month so that you can put the towards your debt. And when you're in a better place, when you're debt free, then you can go back and, re, you know, resubscribe to all those channels. Or if somebody likes to take, um, go to the nail salon every week, we, um, perhaps it's time to just drop that down to once a month. And it's, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, certainly not trying to pick on wives. I, recently worked with a uh, military couple who was looking at some some heavy debt and they were trying to jump start their their pain uh, getting the debts paid off and the wife brought up that well one of the things we could sell in the house was uh, this rifle that the uh, service member had and and he his eyes got big and was like well wait wait a minute that's you know that was his baby that was his toy he did not want to give up this this AR-15 that he that he loves shooting on the weekends. But the more and more we talked about it, it's like, well, what's more important then? Is it having that rifle that you can sell, or is it taking the proceeds from that rifle and paying off a, a, a couple of credit card debts that you had right then and there? And by the next time I saw the two of them, he had made he had made a really healthy, good decision. He had sold the rifle. And with the money that he got uh, from that, he paid off, I believe it was two different credit cards that were just hanging there, biting their ankles for months and months. And not only did it benefit them because they got rid of that debt, but you should have seen the um, the pride in his wife's eyes when he was telling me about how he did it. Because she knew that it was a sacrifice for him because, that, again, that was one of his toys and he didn't want to give it up. But he did the right thing and he did a healthy, he made a healthy decision. And I would assume that in a couple of years when the two of them are completely debt free, he'll probably go out and spend some uh, buy a new rifle with cash that he'll use. That's probably every bit as good as the one he had to sell. But it's it's a lot of um, tough decisions and it's the uh, it's a lot of realizing the most important thing you have to do is to maintain a sense of security between each other and being able to make sacrifices in order to ensure that the person you love is going to be taken care of, especially with deployments. I, I mean, the people I work with, you know, deployment schedules, I don't think they're really slowing down. And the last thing you want uh, a, a, a military spouse to have to deal with is calls from a collection agency or overdue statements in the mail. They got enough to worry about back home. So, you know, you got to put things in perspective and you got to identify what's really important in your life. Bill, I think that's an excellent example of the need versus wants. Um, is there any 
more the more examples or what do you see over there at 227 financial coaching as far as what couples are coming in with and what they're really struggling with um, that's really um, perhaps burdening their relationships well it, it, it's it's not maybe maybe it's not just one thing but it, it's just the day that they wake up and they look at their bank account and they see the stack of bills on the kitchen table and they finally realize, oh, wait a minute, I, we can't continue on like this. It's just not going to get any better unless we change our habits. Um, of course, the majority of people I work with have multiple credit cards that add up to tens and thousands of dollars of debt, and they're just making minimum payments on that. And one of the things I... I I, I try to do is explain to them that just making the minimum payments and continuing to charge on these with these credit cards, you're going nowhere. You're, you're you in a in a sense you've got a second job. You've got your your full time job, be it uh, in the military or being a uh, a spouse at home with the kids, and then your second job is you're working for the credit card companies. You know you're working nonstop to feed them little by little. Uh, with these minimum payments, and you're never going to get them paid off. So when they come to me, they're either at that at that point that where they say, "Look, we need help. We know we've we've dug a pretty deep hole, and we just can't figure out how to fill it back up and get out of this hole." So a lot of times, it's certainly credit card debt, it's car payments with a car that they really just shouldn't have bought in the first place. You know, it's it's student loans that are hanging around for years and years and not going away. Those are the type of things. And it's, you know, every story, every couple I work with, um, they're unique and their stories unique. But you start to see these trends that you know, that crisscross between the stories. And and I, I was just working with a couple that, that said, you know, we want to talk to you. We want your help. But just be warned that we're hopeless. We'll never get out of the debt we're going to get. We just need some way of, of trying to get our head above water. But I know you're going to tell, tell us it's hopeless and it's never hopeless. You know, and I, I sat down with them. We went through the debts that they're looking at and we're like, and the first thing I said to him was like, first off in your email, you said you're hopeless. Forget about that. Put that aside. Look to the future. We're going to figure out how you can, uh, what type of actions you can take to start paying these debts off. It's going to take a while, but you're going to be in a better place. And I, I can say that with confidence because these people that I work with realize that the time has come to change their behavior. And the time has come to learn some new lessons, learn, get re-educated, or in some cases, educated for the very first time about how finances work and about how um, the correct type of behaviors you need to you need to have and you need to practice on a daily basis. So one of the top questions that I get, um, and this has to do with finances, it has to do with nutrition, it can be a range of topics, but one of the top questions that I get is what do I do if I feel like I want to move forward, and this could be a spouse or a service member or anyone, um, but I want to move mm. forward. I Change needs to happen, but my spouse doesn't want to get on the same page with me. They're not interested in getting on a budget. They're not interested in um, maybe turning in that truck that, you know, we're drowning in. Um, I get that question a lot. So what would you say to um, some of the marriages out there where you've got one spouse that's really motivated or desperate to change and the other one that doesn't see the problem as clearly? Yeah, that's definitely a, an issue that comes up quite a bit. And I, I would, I would bet that's the number one reason that more couples um, don't seek out help because they're not on the same page yet. Or one person is, Quite frankly, one person could be acting selfishly and, and putting their wants in front of the needs of the family. Um, what I like to tell people is, one, that they're not alone. You know, they're, they're not the only couple that has these type of um, differences in attitudes. But one thing I can, I can do to help um, couples come to that same place is, like, if you can just bring your spouse with me for our initial meeting. If you can just convince him or her to come sit down 
and allow me to be that third um, party that looks at your looks at your finances and allow me to give an objective, educated opinion of what's going on in your relationship. And a, a lot of times that just having that one, having an outsider come in and say, hey, wait a minute. So you mean to tell me that you're about ready to deploy or, or, or you're, you've got this much debt, but yet you're still making payments on this brand new sports car you bought two months ago? You know, what, what kind of, um, what kind of mentality, what type of decision making process did you use when you started to buy these things? And, what about, you know, the reasons, what about the um, circumstances at the house between your spouse and your kids? What's going to be more important? So I, 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 I'm not in the um, business of playing, you know, um, of being, um, you know, a, a, a Terminator type of person of coming in here and just point my finger and say, hey, you're wrong. She's right. You've got the problem. But I do believe in, in speaking honestly and candidly with couples when I see that they're not on the same page and saying, let's take a hard look. Let's just take a step back, look at what you've got here in front of you and identify, do you really want to proceed on for the next 10, 20, 30 years of your life going in this route? Or do we want to make some changes, little changes at first, nothing drastic? small steps first and see if we're going to get into a better place and then continue on. Because um, when one spouse comes and says that there's a problem, there usually is. It, it's not a matter of he's right and or it's not a matter that someone feels that they're trying to be betrayed by the other spouse. But I do think that you have to be candid with with everybody at the table to in order to get to the root of the problem and make some healthy changes. I think that's a great way to say it. And I think one of the well, one of the things that I say a lot uh, is the, when you said usually if somebody's saying there's a problem, there's some truth behind that. And a lot of times I think I see couples who, you know, one spouse feels like there is really um, a problem and they feel like they're drowning, say, in the debt or um, in financial bad decisions or poor decisions. And by speaking truthfully in love and kindness, just by being able to say, I love you, I want what's best for us as a couple and as a team and as a family, um, but the decisions that we're making is they're destructive. And in a way it's turning the lights on. I think it's, it's already there. The tension is there. The problem is already there. It's just being able to communicate it in a way that's honest um, and vulnerable, but also in love. And I do agree with you that sometimes we need a third person that can give that wisdom and also give the hope that you were saying, and you have couples that really do feel hopeless. That third person can really speak hope by being on the outside and saying, look, I've worked with many, many couples who are in the same situation, you're not alone, and that there is hope moving forward. I can see the hope a little more clearly than you can, but if you can uh, be patient and let me help you, I can get you in that same direction. And, you know, one of the reasons why we call this podcast the Life Giver Podcast is that I think as, as a marriage team, we can't control our spouse, but we have great ability to influence them. Um, in, in love and kindness and being able to speak truth. And sometimes it's the hard truth, but you can speak life into a very hopeless situation. And a lot of times that starts with telling the truth. And sometimes we need the help of a professional to um, provide the truth in a way that both of us can understand, because sometimes we think that we know what's right. And a professional can say, both of you can make some changes. This isn't just one person or the other. It never is just a one person um, equation. You know, you're, you're in a relationship with two people and both people are going to need to um, identify changes that they both need to make. And, you know, I, I, I think also that a lot of times it's just a matter of having the person who's having a hard time accepting the fact that change needs to be made. It's just a matter of showing them an example of what life can be like um, if you make these changes. You know, um, one of the things that I, I really um, try to express to my clients is that 
I was there where they're at right now. You know, um, my wife and I had those, those dark clouds over our heads month after month trying to make payments and trying to do the right thing. So allow me to show an example to you of how we can get to a, a different place. And it, it's just amazing when you see the recognition in the person's eyes and you realize that through no malice, no, you know, they didn't have anger in their heart when they were doing this. They just didn't realize how much of an impact their behavior was having on their relationship and to their spouse. That's very well said. Um, Bill, I definitely want to get to um, 227 and and the verse that backs that and what you do. But before we do, um, there's a, a variety of families that are listening to this podcast. We have everything from brand new couples into the military that are very young. Um, and we have senior families that are looking to transition out. Um, the other day I was scrolling through Facebook and I saw a young couple or a young spouse that was on Facebook who was asking the question about whether or not food stamps was the right decision for her family um, and whether and she was trying to navigate that. And so we have a lot of young families that are really struggling financially. Um, what would you say to some of those younger families who are really struggling, who feel like they don't have enough income coming in to, say, find a way to get afloat and, and get out from under debt or from some of the stress that they are experiencing? Well, that's a great question. You know, the people I'd like to, to work with the most are the young ones who are just starting out because they're at a critical time in their lives when they're just either just finishing up high school and enlisting or that they're getting out of college and going in as under a commission that this is a critical time for them because they're going to be marketed to by just about every commercial either on, on the Internet, TV, magazines, radio, et cetera to go into debt. You know, they're going to be told that that's the way life is. You get a car, you get a credit card and then life begins. But uh, again, I like to set up, um, uh, have an initial talk with them about the dangers of going into debt and how, just for how long that flat screen TV you bought, how long you're going to be making payments on it. And that brand new car that you just had to have, how much money and interest you're going to be spending. So I also like to tell them that there's different, especially for military families, there's different tools available to them to help them save. You know, not only do they have the Roth IRA uh, as something that we all have, you know, military and civilian, but for military families, we could, they could take advantage of the thrift savings plan and have some of their pre-tax money go into a savings that if they do it correctly and they do it uh, with diligence, they could end up leaving the military after, you know, a 20 or 25 year military career with probably close to a million dollars packed away for their retirement. And, you know, it's not that they don't want to make the right decisions, but a lot of times our, the young people that are going into the military just don't know what the right decision is. You know, our, our school systems really don't teach us what healthy financial habits are. Uh, we, we kind of, um, allow, the, the businesses, the marketing uh, business to tell us what we're supposed to want and how to get it and how to go deep into debt. To get it. But when I speak to the, the younger couples, it's a matter of, look, you've got a set amount of money and, you know, Uncle Sam is going to give um, the service member this amount of money each month. And if the spouse has a job outside the house, you're, you can expect to have this amount of money each month. So let's take the needs that you have, be it the food bill, the groceries bill, the utilities, your basic transportation, and of course your housing, and let's figure out how much of that money is going to be left after you pay off the, all those bills. And then let's take, um, let's identify the money that you can save into either an IRA or a simple savings account or the thrift savings plan and do that. And above all else, let's talk about the how healthy it is to tithe, take 10% of our money or up to 10% or how much, however much you feel comfortable with and giving it to charity. And um, the benefits, not only for a tax reason, but the benefits of improving your soul and your heart when you do something like that. So, you know, it, it's 
basic things that I have. I have two kids. They're both teenagers, and I wish they were teaching um, them these lessons in school, but they're not. So I like to, especially with younger couples, is to try to teach these basic lessons, and it's just math. It's just taking down a pad of paper and a pencil and showing them where things can go uh, in their monthly budget so that they don't wake up at the end of the month and try to figure out where all the money went. And to try to make them understand that as you grow older and your and your income increases, so does the danger of making bad decisions with an income. So we really need to sit down and think forward, think about the future, think about the present, like the next 30 days between paychecks, and figure out how we're going to spend the money that we're going to make. And then think about the future of what 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 are your goals for uh, the future? It's hard to think for 18, 19, 20-year-old kid uh, to think about the future, but the future is going to be there. You, know, you can either start thinking about it now or wake up 40 years later and figure out how to get into this mess. That's a really great point that you just made. Um, you know, the brain doesn't fully develop till about 25. And that part of the brain that needs to still develop um, is actually the frontal cortex where that controls not only our impulses, which is why um, it's very easy for people to, you know, young adolescents or teenagers or even into our early 20s for us to be irritable or act impulsively. But it's also the part of brain that helps us have future thinking. And so our youngest couples, especially if they're getting married really young, they do struggle to create goals into the future and it's hard for them to see the future. And I think you made a really good point that being able to sit down together, have a family business meeting and do the hard work, do the hard thinking to think through what kind of goals do we want to make and who do we want to be and what do we want our life to look like? And that Actually, that hard thinking of going back and forth and trying to think through what your future needs to look like is actually developing your brain in the process. And that if you struggle to do that, that that's, again, where that third person, someone like you that can really sit down and go, this is what is possible for the future. I kind of am in the future and can tell you, looking back in hindsight, some things that I wish that I would have done or some things that I'm really glad that we did. And being able to give that wisdom and paint a picture for those who may struggle to look into the future. One of moving kind of forward to maybe some of our experienced listeners. Um, I know that besides deployment, one of the biggest things in military life that can affect our finances is PCSs or relocations. Um, a lot of families find themselves going deeper into debt because so much costs um, to move, but then you're paid later um, to kind of cover those costs. So what do you suggest to your families when they're looking at relocating? How can they do that without going deeper into debt? Because every with every move, with every home comes new needs. The curtains don't fit in this house. Oh, this has hardwood floors. Now we need rugs. Things can get a little bit out of hand. So what do you suggest to those um, people who find themselves going into debt because of military life? That's a great question. I, I think that um, one of the things that a, a family can do um, is just know that the PCS is going to happen. And a great way to prepare for that is to start putting a little bit of money aside each month, years in advance, if, if you will, when you know never stop doing this, so that when the orders do come down, you've got, we'll call it a PCS fund, of a couple thousand dollars in your back pocket to cover those unforeseen um, expenses. And that's like a putting a buffer zone between you and, you know, Mr. Murphy, who always shows up at unexpected times and tries to uh, make life really stressful for you. Um, one, of the, one of the lessons I like to teach people is to have at least a thousand dollars in um, as an emergency fund that will be like a buffer zone between you and the next time that something unexpected happens. But then to build that emergency fund up to cover at least three to six months of expenses. And that fund right there can also be applied towards these um, unexpected expenses when you PCS. Um, and when, when they get to the new location and the drapes don't fit or they need to um, wait for 
um, the government to finally pay us back all our TDY expenses and our um, moving expenses, you've got that money available. And you don't have to be uh, tempted with the idea of, of applying for a credit card and just charging everything and paying for it later. Because once you do that, it's a, it's going to be a slippery slope and, you know, you'll end up putting more money on the credit card than you wish you had. And you'll be able to, um, with just using like a cash system of paying things in cash that you've been saving up for all this time, you'll be able to have more control over how much money you're spending and have less stress about how you're going to pay for it later because you're paying for it right then and there. And it's also a great way to keep um, track of your expenses so that when the time does come to be reimbursed, you've got um, a good record of what you spent. And for those things that are allowable, you can get reimbursed for. You were active duty for 21 years, and so you have crossed that bridge. You have transitioned you know, into working as this head coach for 227. What would you say to those that are looking to transition? I, I have worked with couples in the counseling office some of them just even in a panic because of all of the transitions that they go through going from being a veteran and kind of going out into the world and the financial changes and the insurance changes. And for some, there's sudden co-pays for things and just it can feel very daunting and very difficult. So what would you say to those that are transitioning or looking to retire soon about that transition and some of the things that they can do financially, especially since you guys have been through it? That's a great question. Um, I, I got some great advice as I was approaching my, my final years in the military that uh, from a former um, Air Force officer who told me that, you know, it really, you really ought to start planning your retirement five years away, five years out, you know, five years before you know you're going to retire, start planning for it. And some of that planning is making some decisions or thinking about Things like, well, where do I want to live? Do I want to stay where I'm at uh, during my last um, assignment? Um, or is there a piece of property out west someplace that my wife and I have been wanting to buy to put our build our dream home on? Or do I know that I'll need to move to D.C. or New York or Chicago with some big city where I know I can be marketable and get a job? You know, start asking those questions and not not just to yourself, but to your spouse. You know, start you know, verbally dreaming about what retirement is going to look like for you. You know, where is it going to be at? What are you going to be doing? Um, do you have a marketable skill? Uh, does, is that resume um, written down and is it polished? Or is it even, have you even started making a resume? I don't think five years away from retirement is too soon to start asking those questions and start wargaming just what can you do and when should you do it? And then as you progress and you get to about two years out or one year out, that's when you really start to, uh, to need, that's when I at least needed to um, start ramping up and getting things organized. The one thing I'll say is that the decision I made, I was very um, upfront with my commanders about when I was going to retire and how much leave I was going to take as part of my retirement and what my goals were. I didn't try to hide it from anybody. Um, I didn't see a need to. I was open about the fact that I was going to apply for jobs and I may have to take um, additional leaves so that I could go on job interviews. I made full use of the Army uh, alumni program that taught classes on how to write a resume, how to um, go to an interview, how to dress for an interview. After 21 years of just wearing uh, BDUs and ACUs, I had no idea how to how to look right in a suit. And I just started gathering up all the knowledge that I felt that I needed to have and then asking questions to my colleagues who had retired a couple of years before me and start reaching out to them and saying, you know, what are the five things you wish you had done? And what are the five things that you did that worked out well? And, you know, in the military, we live in a very organized and well thought out world, or at least we're supposed to be. So apply all those lessons to your retirement and apply them so that when you finally leave the uh, orderly room for the last time, you've got a good sense of, okay, my next five steps are going to be this. And I've got interviews lined up for these dates. 
and I've got a good idea of where we're going to move to. Uh, because just waiting for it to happen, you're going to, if you fail to plan, you're just going to plan to fail because it, it's, there's a lot of decisions that you need to make. A couple of the things I, I found, you, you brought them up. It, it was kind of a shocker to have co-pays with uh, medical expenses. It was a shocker to, um, to, to have to figure out what I was going to wear each day instead of putting on my, uh, my uniform. But it was a very exciting time period for me. Um, you know, everyone's career is going to come to an end one way or another. And uh, my wife and I were very open with each other about what we wanted to do and how it, how we were going to go about doing it. And it was, um, you know, like I said, I think the best way I can describe it is a very exciting transition for, for me. There was certainly some stress, but I looked at it with open eyes and I, I spent at least a good two and a half years kind of wargaming it and planning it out before I did it. I have no doubt that because of your story and the way that you shared maybe shifting your financial perspective that going into retirement felt and looked a lot different to the both of you because you had started to uh, be on the same page and be on the same team when it came to your finances. I have no doubt that that played a part in an easier transition. Would you say that's true? Absolutely. You know, by that time in our lives, my wife and I were completely debt free. So the house we lived in was paid for. Uh, we had cut off our credit cards uh, years ahead, uh, years earlier, and we didn't have those stresses in our lives to kind of tweak us and to get us upset and hyped up. So I, I got to recommend that the more people can do to improve their finances and to get out of debt and build wealth. Uh, which are the principles that we teach at TT7 Financial Coaching, is going to help you in that transition. A lot of times I've heard of officers and senior NCOs who, you know, unfortunately they, they take jobs they don't necessarily want to take because they, they're looking for the big payday. And they're, they're taking jobs overseas uh, as contractors um, because they've got, they've spent 20 years in the Army or military uh, building up debt and they see, well, if I if I go spend three years in Afghanistan as a contractor, I can pay off all this debt and and finally be rid of it. And my message to those people is like, let's not put ourselves in that position to have to do that. Why would you want to, um, after 20 years, two decades of deployments and putting those, that stress on your family, why would you want to continue that? Um, that practice after. And um, believe me, I, I had opportunities to um, to go overseas after I was um, uh, retired and make some probably some pretty large salaries there. But I didn't need to do it. And it never entered my head that I wanted to do it because we were in a financial situation where I didn't have to do it. I didn't. I wasn't tempted to chase those big paychecks doing something that I knew would continue to put uh, burdens on my wife and stresses on my family. That's an awesome way of saying that. Tell me a little bit about 227 Financial Coaching. Um, I saw that it comes from the verse of you know, Proverbs 22.7, the borrower is slave to the lender. So tell me a little bit about what, how you found yourself there and, and how your passion has played a role um, in this new transition, I guess. I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily new, but the transition into providing financial coaching and caring for these families? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I, I've talked about how my wife and I um, got out of debt while I was still in the military. And I, we certainly didn't do it alone. Uh, we we took classes and um, went to uh, other people for help and advice. And they showed us the way, just like I'm trying to show other couples uh, now the way to get out from under debt. And I chose the name, just as you said, in, uh, 227 Financial Coaching, because uh, I can't think of a better way to explain what debt does to a person. You know, Proverbs 227 uh, says, the borrower is the slave to the lender. And just like we talked about earlier uh, during the podcast was, you know, when you've run up credit card debt, let's say, or um, car payment, you know, debt with your car, it's like you have a second job. You've got the job for the military that you're doing 24-7 because you're, if you're just making minimum payments and you continue to charge things up, you're just going to be working for the banks, working for the credit card companies to get out of that. And you're never going to get out of debt making just minimum payments. So 
Um, when I retired, I, I found that I was helping people um, at my church and um, kind of helping them uh, just informally sitting down with them, listening to uh, their stories and making suggestions. But I knew this was something that um, I wanted to do um, as my primary job. And I went to training and got trained so I can better help individuals. But it's just a passion for knowing what military families go through, knowing what the stresses are during a military life. A lot of the stresses we can't control. We can't control when deployments are going to happen. We can't control when PCSs are going to happen. But we can control what happens under our roof. You know, we can control whether or not we're going to be dealing with the stress of making payments on debts or how we're going to figure out how to get to the end of the month like my wife and I did when we were first starting out. So why not choose the military families as the group of people I want to focus on? Because those are, are still my, my brothers and sisters in uniform, the people that I had the privilege of being with for 21 years. I, I don't want to see them go through stresses that they can avoid simply by making some better choices and by learning some um, basic steps in personal finance and how to write a budget, how to stay away from the uh, credit card companies, et cetera. And these are the people that need the help the most in my It's They got enough going on in their lives that I feel it's a duty for, for me to make this available to them. And that's why I'm so fortunate to be on your show because I know it's geared right you know, directly towards military families. So I like, you know, I, I very much appreciate the opportunity to speak directly to them here. Well, it's an incredible way for you to give back. And no doubt people can hear how much you care about them and their families. And um, you have an incredible story of, of how it changed you and, and some of the other families that you're seeing being changed, too. And so if people want to reach out to you and want to see what you can do to help them, how would they find you and how would they get in touch with you? Well, they can go to my website, which is financial227support.com, financial227 support.com. And they, right there, they can get a better idea of who I am and the services I offer. I'd like to point out that, you know, I, it's, I, I do this as, for a living, so it, it's not free, but military families do get a discounted rate because those are the folks that I most, uh, most urgently want to help. Also on the website, you can see some testimonials from um, other clients who I've been able to work with. And just get a good idea of what a coaching session would be like. You know, the things I like to do is to threefold. When I sit when I sit down with a couple, there's three things I want to do. I want to understand their situation and apply some direction, some education to them to it. But most of all, I want to give hope. I want to inject hope into their situation because, like I said, you know, I, I recently worked with a couple who just declared, "Well, it's hopeless. There's no sense in us trying to work this out." It's not hopeless. Most people in America are in the situation that you're in. It's not hopeless because there's a better way of doing things. And once I'm able to either sit down face to face with a couple or talk to them over the phone or on Skype, they'll see that there's a better way of doing things. One of the best pieces of advice that I ever got from a mentor of mine referenced the scripture to me about not muzzling the oxen. And when you brought up you know, this is something that you're passionate about to deliver to military families. And this is your living now. Um, I think as military families, just, you know, going back to speaking truth and, and talking honestly, we can tend to get a little too comfortable with things being free or discounted and, and finding ourselves in a place where we expect it. And uh, many of, I know, especially military spouses sometimes feel like they volunteer their life away and they find themselves in a place where they're giving so much of their um, expertise away. They're giving so much of their skills and their time away that we can find ourselves in a place where we're struggling actually financially because we're volunteering so much of our time away. And a mentor once told me that there's actually scripture that talks about not muzzling the oxen and the oxen who were, you know, turning this wheel in order to grind grain. You know, it was important to make sure that the oxen were able to reach down and, and eat some of that grain off the floor to give them the energy to keep going 
going and keep doing their job. And, you know, I think it's really important what you said, that this is something that you have such great expertise in, great wisdom on, and, and a lot of compassion to give a lot of our families. And I think it's really awesome that you have transitioned from being active duty into doing this as a career because you're obviously passionate about it and you're great at it. And I love the fact that this is something that you have now been able to support your own family and make wise decisions financially for your own family by um, doing this as your career now. And so I have no doubt that there are people out there who really are looking for hope financially, who really want to see a difference made in their families and and that they can turn to you and ask um, for your services and really see a, a huge amount of hope and transition come to their life because of a simple phone call or an email just saying, I need help. I don't know where to start, but I need help. And I need help from somebody who knows um, the next steps that I should take and that we need to seek out that wisdom. Is there anything else, Bill, that you would want to share with anybody um, that could provide somebody of some, some hope that um, if they are struggling today, is there anything else that you would say to them to encourage them where they're at? I would just encourage them to take action now. When people contact me, it's usually that they, they've had that epiphany. They've woken up and they've looked at all the bills on, on their kitchen table and they finally realize, I can't continue on like this. You know, it just isn't working. So it's, you've got to reach the point where you want help. And you've, once you reach that point, then by all means, immediately seek it. You know, it, it's a matter of just being honest with yourself and realizing that change is going to be good for you and change is going to be good for your family. And the the sooner that we can talk and sit down and, and look at your issues, the sooner you're going to be in a better place. You know, it's never too late and it's also never too early to get help. Would you like to send in a shout out and have it included on the Life Giver podcast? Anyone, civilian or military, can thank a military spouse who has made a difference in your life or say thank you to a service member for working hard on your marriage. Record your shout out by using your voice memo app available on your device and email it to Corey at CoreyWeathers.com or call in and leave a voicemail shout out to 706 706- Four three one seven two two two, and we will do our best to include it in future podcasts.